Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student, whether that's learning how to study more effectively, get the jobs and internships you want, or learn how to master your money and pay off your debt. And in today's episode, I'm talking with my friend Clarissa Rodriguez, who is a YouTuber, blogger, and nursing case manager uh, who graduated from nursing school just recently. And actually, in today's episode, we're going to talk about how she had a pretty tough time with her initial few years in college. She was working almost full time, and she didn't have the study strategies or organizational skills to do well in her classes. But after a few years, she actually turned it all around, learned how to study effectively, and started doing really well in her classes. So in this episode, she'll talk about those organizational tactics and study skills that she learned how to use, specifically relating to exam prep how to do better on exams, and also just staying organized and studying during the semester. So if you have problems with that or if you want to learn how to be more effective in those areas, she's got some great strategies to talk about. And she'll also talk about how she balanced those incredible amount of hours she was working every single week with her classes. So this is a great episode. I think you'll really enjoy it. And she also blogs and makes YouTube videos over at girlbudgetlife.com. So if you enjoyed this episode, you can go check her stuff out over there and also on your her YouTube channel. So all that stuff is linked up in the show notes for this episode, which you can find, as always, at CIGpodcast.com. This is episode 68, so just scroll down and find that link on the page. And we've got the, the, all the summary, the links to stuff that we mentioned in this episode, and also how you can review and rate the show on iTunes or Stitcher if you want to help support it and drive it up the rankings. So that's all we got for this intro. Enjoy this episode, and hopefully it teaches you something new. All right, Clarissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. So it's cool to meet you because there's not a whole lot of people doing YouTube channels on how to study better. And it's awesome when I get to meet somebody who's doing it and your channel's great. So yeah, thanks for yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, before we jump into just your own study tactics and things that you've learned about how to learn better, um, I'm just curious about your story because it's very different than mine and you were in a very different major than mine. Yeah. So I was, I graduated second in my class from high school, but I always like to tell people that it's not really impressive because my high school was really small. There were only 50 people in my graduating class and we didn't have any AP courses. So it wasn't like a really competitive school. So as long as you did the work, handed it in, you passed. So when I went on to college, I actually wanted to become an OBGYN. So I went on doing the whole pre-med track. I majored in biology and I sucked really bad at it. I ended up failing out of chemistry twice, calculus once, um, physics once, and then I withdrew from calculus two before I could fail and I withdrew from chemistry two before I could fail. And my junior year of college, when I was still a bio major, I went down to go sit down with my 
biology advisor and she told me I never make it in the healthcare field and then I should just go on and become like a teacher or something. And so mm-hmm. I listened to her. So I switched over to health policy and health management and I finished like 20 something, 30 something credits in one year. I did it all my senior year because I transferred really late into that major. Wow. And yeah. 30 credits in a year? Yeah, I was. Or in a semester? Uh, no, so two semesters. Okay. And then I took an independent course over the summertime. But yeah, so I ended up graduating with everyone else. But it was really hard. And I remember my um, advisor for my health policy major, he was like, I have never seen anyone do what you just did. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't want to spend any more money in college. So <laughs> got to do what I got to do. So yeah, so then um, because I knew that I wasn't go- going to go on to medical school, I applied to an accelerated nursing program where I would basically skip over the bachelor's in nursing and just get into a master's program as a nurse because I wanted to go on to be a midwife. Okay. And I got rejected because my GPA from college the first time around was too low to get me in. So I took prerequisites at a community college and then ended up applying to that nursing program at the community college. And I got in and I graduated this past December as an honors student, which to me, it's like a huge accomplishment because of how bad my first trial at college went. And now I work as a registered nurse um, with patients who have traumatic brain injuries um, or spinal cord injuries out in the community. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And and you really turned it around there after that uh, junior year then. So I I guess, and did you, did you say you didn't take chemistry at all in college or in high school? No, we didn't. Like it wasn't a requirement. I remember taking bio, environmental biology and physics, but we never had chemistry. You know, it's funny. I also never took chemistry in high school. Really? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) My high school definitely had it and everything. Um, I don't know what it was for your school, but for ours, it was like uh, you had to take two of the three sciences, like bio, physics, and chem. And uh, when I went to my junior year, I thought physics was way cooler. So I was like, I'm just going to wait till senior year for chemistry. And then senior year came around and my schedule was so full that the only time I could take chemistry would be this early morning session they were going to offer before 8 a.m. And I must have been the only person who signed up for it because they canceled it and then I just never took chem <laughs> and I was freaking out because uh, the school I went to, Iowa State, they had like this automatic scholarship you could win if you hit certain requirements. Mm-hmm. You had to have taken all three sciences. You had to have a certain GPA and have like two or three years of or no, you had to have four years of a foreign language. That's why my schedule was so full because I was trying to get that fourth year of Spanish mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, crap. Now I can't get that scholarship, which is like four thousand dollars a semester or something like that. And uh, so I was going to take chemistry during the summer at a community college, but didn't end up having uh, ended up not having to do that. But yeah, interesting that we both never took it. I'm guessing you have taken it now, though, right? And yes, it. I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still know nothing about those hydrocarbons and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't remember anything from it either. And we like they make you take it for if you want to get your bachelor's in nursing, but you never use it. So a lot of schools are mm. dropping it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd imagine like being a nurse, you don't have to do a ton with chemistry because it's more like the care side, right? Right. And we do we do a lot with like uh, dosage and calculation. So we do a lot of math because of medications, but chemistry, not so much. OK. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I just finished reading a book called The Disappearing Spoon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Uh, It's all about the periodic table and like all these stories behind how elements were discovered and stuff. So that's that's now my claim to my chemistry education (laughs) is just reading that book. (laughs) I know the melting points of certain elements and I know that you can strengthen steel with molybdenum and that's about it. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm curious. um, 
it seemed like you had some practices that caused you to not be able to pass some classes during your first few years of college, and then you really turned it around. So I guess what have you identified as the factors that caused you to fail these classes and not do as well as you wanted to at first? So definitely lack of study skills and lack of organization skills. Okay. So even I like I like to say, even though I'm a Virgo, sometimes I'm like not the best planner, even though that's what we're supposed to be known for. So No way, I don't think I got that reference. Is that the Virgo? Like Oh, is that like <laughs> <laughs> like your sign? Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't actually so, know all the signs. So. <laughs> oh, I'm like super into that. So okay. yeah, Virgos is, are supposed to be really good planners and like, yeah. So, but sometimes I'm not, I'm like really disorganized sometimes. Mm. So I had to learn study skills and I had to learn organization skills and I was okay on the organization skills. So I knew where my classes were and that kind of stuff. But when it came to like planning for my classes, doing my readings, planning for exams, I was terrible at it. I mm. was the girl that would study the night before the exam and try to like finish up all the readings that night before. Um, although I never really pulled an all-nighter because I'm a grandma and I fall asleep like at nine <laughs> o'clock every day. So I would wake up early. Like I would go to bed and then wake up at two and try to like finish all the readings and hope that I would pass the exam, which never was the case. So and like when it came down to studying, I just reread my notes over and over and over. Oh, okay. And over again. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I remember uh I had a couple of friends in college who would just open the slides and kind of like sit there scrolling through them on Blackboard, like just kind of like leaning back in their chairs like this is study right now. (laughs) I'm studying right now. (laughs) No, you're not. And I wonder why it takes so long. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think you also mentioned before we started recording that um, you didn't ask for help ever. Yeah, I was really embarrassed too. And even though like my professors already knew that I was failing, it's like it's not like they didn't know that I was failing, but it it took a lot for me to go up to them and admit the fact that I had no idea what the hell was going on in class, that I had mm. no idea how to study because every other student in the class, every other pre-med major was doing really well. And I thought that I was the only one and I felt really stupid and I didn't want them to confirm that feeling. So I just avoided it altogether. And mm. I I thought that I could fix whatever was going wrong. And obviously I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing you eventually went for help and that's how you started turning these habits around though. Yeah. So the first time was when I was taking chemistry the second time, I actually ended up going to the professor's office hours and he gave me so many practice exams. And so when it, so I, that was the first kind of exposure that I had to Cal Newport's method of studying, you know, where you like, you do practice problems. Mm -hmm. Um, the same in the same manner that you're going to see them on the exam. But I didn't know at the time that that's what I was doing. So I would go and I would sit there and he would help me out. And I ended up getting a B in chemistry like the second time I took took it or the third time. I can't remember because I took it like three times. But um, yeah, so I ended up getting a B. And yeah, that was it. I like I had to get over the fact that my professors, one, they already knew that I was failing. And two, if I didn't ask for help, I was never going to get out of the situation that I was in. And it was going to be this constant cycle of failing class after class after class. Yeah. So uh, I one question for you. Did the professor offer those practice exams during the class or did he just kind of like give them to you because you would ask for help? I don't know because he gave them to me. Um, I knew he had a couple like on Blackboard, but he gave me physical copies of different ones because I went to his office hours and he would let me sit there and work through the problems on my own. And then if I needed help, he would like, you know, walk me through it. Yeah, that's some good validation because um, I think in the test anxiety video, I mentioned that a lot of students think that 
because a professor doesn't offer a certain resource in the class, like during lecture, that they're unwilling to give it out, like practice exams or, you know, certain help on certain homework assignments. Uh, you know, a lot of students think that if they didn't give it to me when I was sitting in class, then I can't have it. Yeah. But, I mean, there's proof right there. You went to office hours and you gave you extra resources that weren't offered. Right. And sometimes they just don't have the time in class. So mm-hmm. um, they're trying to get through all the material that they can get through while they have, you know, the 15 minutes or however long your classes are. So they can't possibly, you know, help everybody out. So I always recommend everyone to go to office hours. And that's like the biggest thing that I think helped me when it came to when it came down to like finally passing my classes, because when I became a health policy major, I was always in in every single one of the professor's office hours. And I did Mm. really well in that major. And I think that was one of the factors. Nice. Yeah. I think a good uh, analogy to that would be uh, YouTube, because I mean, you're you're a YouTuber as well. And you know that Mm -hmm. you can only fit so much material into a five minute video. Yeah. But if somebody comments and asks you like, hey, can you give me some more detail on this subject? Then I can recommend a book or a paper I've read or something that's going to have a lot more information. Right. But just, you know, when you're addressing so many people, you don't know what exact resources that everyone's going to need until they ask. Right. Yeah. So what were some of the study strategies that you adopted besides just going in for help when you needed it? Um, so I know you're familiar with the book, uh, how to, how to become a straight A student. So yep. like all of my study strategies came from that book. Okay. <laughs> I love it so much. And then, um, I also read, um, the straight A conspiracy. Okay. Um, I can't remember who the authors are in that one, but, uh, yeah, basically first, the first thing I had to do was really change my mindset around studying and get rid of the idea that I was stupid or that you had to be a genius in order to get good grades. Cause that's a myth. Um, so then the second thing was getting myself organized and then learning how to learn, learning how to read properly in the textbook, how to make the most use of my professors, how to study for exams, because the whole rereading your notes thing doesn't really work. Um, and what, what does work is testing yourself on the material. So it's, it's kind of like if you're rereading things over and over, there's no possible way that you can know how much you retain unless you test yourself on it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. a good thing to add to that is um, a lot of times when you're rereading things, you kind of like think that you know the material. Yeah. Like you read a sentence and you're like, yeah, I knew that. But yeah. that's because you had a cue that kind of like jogged your memory a little bit. Right. And when you're sitting in a test, you don't have that cue. Right. And they never ask the questions the way that they're listed on their slides. Mm-hmm. It's always apply applying the material. So, yeah, definitely. So you started creating quizzes, I'm guessing? Yeah. So I started using my textbooks and I would use like uh, the titles and anything that was like italicized. I would make them into questions Mm. and I would lecture to myself into my bed and pretend like I was the professor. And if I didn't know something, then I knew that I had to go back and I would either look up like a YouTube video or I would look up something online that would help me understand it better. Because sometimes the books are too wordy and that's what makes it complicated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then after I would go back and, you know, try to relearn it, I then would teach myself again by lecturing and then I would do questions. Okay, I like that you lectured to yourself in your bed. That's actually a good idea, I think. Yeah, it's really weird. And my boyfriend's always like, why do you like keep talking to yourself? And I'm like, Shh, I'm studying here. <laughs> just just make him sit down and then teach him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll stop making fun of you after the first time. That's I know my girlfriend's always like making fun of me because I try to explain the geeky things I'm into. 
And she's like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Anna, let me tell you about the differential in the car engine. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> she's like, no, thanks. But sometimes she tries to tell me how she's making clothes and stuff. So it's kind of a back and forth situation. Yeah. I'm not the only culprit here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So um, on the organization front, what did you start doing to get better at uh, organizing your time and making sure you knew you were on top of everything? Oh, yeah. So in high school, I would just write down homework assignments. But in college, I got myself a real planner with time slots. So I actually worked um, 30 hours or more from the moment that I went to college the first time and even through nursing school because I had to. um, Even with student loans, I just couldn't afford to go to school. So um, Mm. I worked almost full time the entire time I went to college. So I had to be really... good with my time. So I got a planner that had time slots in it so that I could see exactly how much time I had to work with. And then um, from there, I'd basically break down every single assignment that I had and I would plug it into the, I call them free pockets of time, but they're not really free because I'm using them to study. But that's how I kind of stayed on top of everything and um, really dealt with overwhelm. Because if I look at the bigger picture of things, it freaks me the hell out. So I have to break everything (laughs) down into smaller tasks. Otherwise, I'll have a panic attack. (laughs) You're not alone. You're definitely not alone. I used to, I keep, I used to keep everything in Wonderlist. And I would use Wonderless as my daily task thing. So I would wake up and I would look at it and I'd see like eight different lists all for different aspects of my life. And like each one has a number in the teens or 20s of to do's on it. And then I'm just like clicking through each list going, which one do I do? Yeah. Oh, God, I can't do any of these. So, yeah, I definitely a better idea to have them either grouped out by time blocks like you did. Excellent Mm -hmm. idea. Or just to make like a daily list. Like I've just got a whiteboard next to me that's got mm, seven or eight things, uh, which is I usually I think like seven or eight are too many, but some of them <laughs> really tiny little tasks like go sign up for the gym and set up my car payment and stuff like that. Yeah, so that's easy. And I've got them like listed with time blocks as to when they should end. And it's just kind of like, boom, 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 go down the list. It's easy to manage. Yeah, but I got to say. So, you know, if anybody listening to this was kind of like, judging you for your study skills before you said you worked 30 hours a week. At least I, I can see that <laughs> that's got to add some extra difficulty to yeah. to managing a college schedule. I worked 20 hours a week going into college. And um, that was at a job that let me do my homework at work, at mm-hmm. least for the first year. So uh, props to you for working you. 30 hours a week. Were you working in a job where you didn't have any downtime or did you at least have some downtime? Yeah, so I worked at um, AAA. Uh, oh, the, is that the car or yeah, the travel place? So, yeah, so when you your car breaks down, I was a person that would pick up and like okay. help you with that. And sometimes the cues for the calls would be like a 200. So no, there was like oh never, any, <laughs> never any downtime. And then I worked for um, another call center, which was tuition management. Um, so I was a person you would call to make payment plans for your tuition when you were in college or if you went to like a really fancy kindergarten school that was like $30,000 a year, then parents would call me to pay. So, um, yeah, so there wasn't any downtime with that either. And I've basically worked in call centers all through college. I just like hopped from one to another every single time I got bored. You know, I only have one call center experience. My first job in college was working at the campus tech support center Mm. and it wasn't always busy because I would sometimes work the early morning shifts or the late at night ones, or sometimes it was like summer. Mm-hmm. So my perception of call centers was that 
every once in a while somebody calls and otherwise you've got a lot of downtime. And then I met a friend who got hired by Apple. Apple actually hires college students to do te- tech support for them. Oh. And they give you an iMac and you actually do it in your dorm. Huh. Um, but he's like, yeah, there's never downtime. It's yeah, literally calls my entire shift. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> are you serious? And then I met people who worked at like the foundation who they solicit donations for the university and like people like you who are in like a tuition management. Call centers are tough. Yeah. And I actually have this uh, a little opinion that I've developed over the years. And I think like everyone should have to work in a call center or oh have to work retail so they can learn how to treat people well and yeah. like learn some empathy and patience. That's so true. <laughs> you have to pretend to care even though you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's really tough. I mean, at least you can like bang your forehead on the desk when you're at a call center and they can't see yeah. you. But <laughs> or hit mute and then talk about them after. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would have never done that. But yeah, so um, that was actually going to lead into my next question. How did you kind of deal with that many hours of work and balance that with your schedule? Were you able to set your hours or were you able to have some control over when you were scheduled? Uh, So when I worked at AAA, I wasn't able to set my hours. It was whatever they gave me. Um, But when I was at Tuition Management Systems, everyone that worked there was a college student. So you could change your schedule every single semester. But in order for me to be able to like pay bills and like my car um, and like everything else that I needed in order to be able to go to school, I had to work the 30 hours. So it wasn't really a choice, but I tried to work it around my my college schedule. But yeah, it was tough. But I mean... I did the best that I could. <laughs> With the AAA, were they at least accommodating if you had like a test a certain night or anything like that? No. They weren't. So you, did no. you have to like skip tests and stuff? No. Um, thankfully, like I was able to always do my co- get my classes done in the morning. So okay. I worked at night when I was at AAA. Yeah. Oh, did you never have any night tests? No. I Yeah, no. Okay, interesting. Yeah, a lot of my classes actually, you know, even if the class was during the day, uh, especially for finals, the testing schedule will be very different. And sometimes you're going at like 730 at night oh, to wow. do the test. Yeah, yeah I mean, my... maybe that's just an Iowa State thing. Who knows? Yeah, I've never heard of that being done. I'm, well, that's okay. interesting. Well, yeah, I guess if somebody out there is listening to this and wants to get a part-time job, make sure that you have your tests during the class period. <laughs> and if you don't, make sure you get a flexible job. Uh, actually, this is pretty relevant because the podcast episode I put out today as we record this was about how to find a part-time job. So I guess like, how did you find your part-time jobs? Um, online, I would just like either search Craigslist or I'd just type it in or word of mouth. Um, the AAA job, my friend was going for the interview and then she was like, oh, why don't you tag along? Because it was like an open house type thing. Oh, okay. So then I ended up going and I got the job over her and she was so pissed at me. But um, yeah, that's how I found out about that one. And then tuition management systems, I think I found it on Craigslist and then I applied. Okay. Um, and that was at your school? No, um, it was, it's like a, its own entity. Oh, okay. Gotcha. But yeah. it's still just all college students, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they exclusively hire college students or is it just they, work out that yeah. way? They prefer college students because okay. during the summertime when everyone's getting ready to like go off to college, they get a lot of volume. So they hire parts, uh, not part time, they hire temporary over the summertime. And then obviously they expect everyone who's in college to go back to wherever it is that they're from. But mm-hmm. the company is located where I live. So I so didn't So you live- were just able to stay there? Yeah. Okay. I guess that works out pretty well. That actually, the thing that happened to you with AAA is basically how I got my first job in college as well. 
Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> my plan was to be a bus driver or something because I knew the campus had a lot of buses that they uh, give people rides with. Mm-hmm. And then a friend of mine was like, hey, there's a tech support department on campus and they're doing interviews. You should come with. I'm like, I don't know anything about computers except for how to make websites, but <laughs> I guess I'll try it. And they hired me. So then I ended up working pretty well. Sweet. I'm pretty glad because I didn't really want to drive a bus. <laughs> yeah. I think that would have gotten really boring after a while. Yeah, just kind of going around in circles. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I learned something about myself. I'm I'm very much like a creative person that needs to have variety. Mm-hmm. So it's very tough for me to work a job where you do the exact same thing over and over again. Hence why maybe that makes me a whiner, but (laughs) no, because that's exactly why I switched every few years with the call centers because you're saying the same things over all the time. And Mm. like the last one before I got my job as an RN, I was doing surveys. So I was calling your house during dinner time and asking you to take a survey for me. And people were really mean. Yeah, I was going to say what percentage of calls are just like super rude people just like insulting you or something with the surveys. Like I'd say like 50 percent. Yikes. Yeah. I don't know. See, the thing, I, I hate those calls, but I kind of just tell myself like the person calling me isn't the person who wants to give the survey. They just need a job. Yeah. So I'm never going to be like a dick. Yeah. But it's always a robocall now anyway, so it's like it matters. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me about your new job now because I'm guessing it's more fun. It is. So um, I'm a nurse case manager. So basically, I like I said, I work with patients who've had traumatic brain injuries um, or spinal cord injuries, Mm. and they don't want to live in either like a nursing home or a rehab facility. They want to be able to live out in the community and have the best quality of life that they can possibly have. Mm -hmm. So my role is to go out and make sure that they are safe enough to live at home, that they have all of the necessary Things such as ramps, um, that they know how to manage their medication, that there are safety precautions put in place. And that's basically, I do a lot of driving. So what's nice is that I'm not stuck in an office or in a hospital all day long. So I'm constantly going out and I basically create my own schedule. So that's kind of nice. That's cool, actually. Yeah, I was not envisioning that you'd be able to go out and like drive around and go to different places all day as a nurse. That's a pretty cool job then. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I like I always wanted to do something like that. I figured um, if I couldn't do this, uh, this was a few years ago, then my backup was to be like the sandwich delivery guy at Jimmy John's just because I wanted to ride my bike all around town all day. What's Jimmy John's? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a sub sandwich place. I forget. Where do you live again? In Rhode Island. They probably don't have Jimmy John's there. No, I've never heard of it. It's like a we have Subway. It's a better Subway, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't toast anything. Oh, okay. But they do they do deliver very freaky fast, as they call it, sandwiches. Hmm. And I ate way too many of them as a college student. <laughs> <laughs> so so are you actually done with school now then? Yeah, so I am done with school, but because I want to be a midwife, I have to go back and get my master's degree. So right now I'm mm-hmm. looking into schools. Um, and I want to do it all online because I don't want to have to go to campus. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at, and there aren't that many that have specialties in midwifery. So my options are very limited. Now with that kind of a major, do you have to do some sort of rotation or anything like that? Like a practicum or something like that? Yeah. So I would have clinicals and I would have to find my own proctor. Okay. So yeah, I guess how would that work? You just do it online and then they would expect you to find a hospital that would take you on? Yes. Okay, cool. They would give recommendations, but it's up to you to secure it. Yeah. Have you so have you done enough research to know that like an online thing is feasible? 
Yeah. So a couple of my friends from nursing school are in them right now. They're doing the NP route, so they're not specializing in anything. So they're basically like a pediatrician, but without going to medical school or a primary care physician without going to medical school. So, um, yeah, so they are loving it. And it's not that hard to find proctors, apparently. That's not bad. So with going back for your master's, are you going to have to take some more of that hard science that you were able to skip? Um, I know chemistry is required and I mm-hmm. think I'm past the five year mark. So I definitely have to take that over again. But now I have the study skills where I would probably do really well. Okay. Um, and then um, st- statistics is one of them that I have to take. But that's just following steps with math. So I'm OK with that. And I think that's it. I think those are the only other courses that I would need. And then because I finished everything else with the nursing degree. Cool. So I actually like statistics a lot. Like it was a tough class when I had to take it, but it was one of those tough classes that I really enjoyed having to work through for whatever reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of fascinating to me. I think if yeah, I was I, gonna go back, I would do like statistics or something of that of that nature. I don't like math, but um, I I do well if I can create a system for it. So if I know like what steps to take, then I'm pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you're also doing this YouTube channel at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the questions you get from your viewers, like the most frequent questions about studying? And then what tips do you have for those questions? Uh, the questions that I always get are how to manage your time. And the first thing that I always tell them is to get a planner mm-hmm. and not to get the ones that you normally see in college. Like get one that has time slots so that you can actually see how much time you have to work with. Because um, everyone always complains, oh, there isn't enough time. Trust me, there is. <laughs> like, you have the same 24 hours in a day as Beyonce. You can get as much done as she does. So, uh, <laughs> and yeah, then they just ask like how to pass exams. And when I ask them what they're using for study skills, it's always the same thing. Oh, I'm reading over the slides. I take notes or um, I reread everything, but I'm still doing really bad. And when I mentioned to them, like, well, have you tried testing yourself on the material? Most of them haven't. And so mm-hmm. I always tell them you have to, especially with nursing school, we take uh, NCLEX style exams. So we okay. learn material in class, but... Um, the questions are all application based and every single answer on the test is correct, but only one is the most correct. Oh yeah. So there's never any like that's flat out false answers. No, that's tough. Yeah, it is. Okay. But you like if once you start doing practice problems, then you figure out like it's not that bad. You fir- you have to know your your material. If you don't know, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to figure it out. But if you practice with NCLEX style questions, then you'll do pretty well. And a lot of the people that watch my YouTube channels are in nursing school or they're on track to get into nursing school. So they're taking their prerequisites. So I always tell them like when they take A&P, a lot of them do well on the exam portion in class, but they don't do so well in the lab. And I'm like, well, how much time have you spent in the lab looking at the cats? Mm. And they'll say, oh, I, do, I don't really spend any time besides the time that we get in class. And I'm like, well, you have to test yourself the same way that you're going to see it when you go into the lab exam. So go in there, play with those cats and like point things out. <laughs> and that's how you're going to get better. So what's A&P then? Uh, anatomy and physiology. Oh, okay. And is it just like dissecting cats or like? Yeah, they're dissecting cats. Sometimes we get like hearts from cows. I was really bummed out because in medical school you get cadavers and like I would love to get my hands on a cadaver. That sounds really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I totally get it though. 
Actually, um, to be a little morbid, I've always wanted to like donate my body to science if I could when I die, because I think that would be a useful thing for medical students. I agree. Do it. I have no idea how to go about doing that, but I'll figure it out. You know, when I'm like 80 or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when it matters. <laughs> yeah, but you know that makes sense because I would imagine like with with a, a test style like that where every single question is correct, um, you kind of have to put yourself in the situation and work through all the procedures to get the right answer, right? Right, and that's why when I studied, I studied by teaching mm. because and a lot of students focus on just trying to learn the material. I could not do well on the exam if I didn't understand the pathophysiology of it. If I didn't understand the why beneath it all, I could never have passed nursing school. Because Mm. if I knew how something worked and you asked me a question on something that was broken, I could figure out why it was broken because I understand how it works when it is working or how, do you get what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Yeah. So whenever, even if I didn't know the answer because I knew how something worked, I could figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that I think that applies to really anything. If you understand the underlying process behind something, then you're going to remember easier how like the definitions all fit into that. Right. Um, like, I mean, I just got into cars, for example, pretty recently because I, I needed to buy a new one and I really wanted to do my research so I didn't get a bad deal. And in the course of doing that, I just became ridiculously interested in them. So over the past, you know, few years or so, ever since I started driving, I wanted to learn how engines worked. So I would just kind of like try to look up the part and be like, this does this. And I'd like look at my engine and be like, okay, this exact part does uh, this thing. But I never looked at the overall picture. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I was in high school, I took a class where we took apart an entire auto engine and then rebuilt it. Cool. Like every part. But I didn't learn a thing. Like, I didn't know what any of it did. I just like, oh, I'm going to take this nut off of this bolt and I'm going to take this weird blocky thing over, put it over here. This is really dirty. I'm going to clean that later. I didn't know what it did, though. Um, and then we went to Wisconsin over July 4th, just like a week ago. Mm-hmm. And in the car, I just spent the time that I had sitting and staring at the road, reading how stuff works, articles about how engines work. And now that I know like how the air and the fuel move through the exhaust and the intake, it all makes sense. Yeah. And I can remember what each part does so much easier now just because I know how it all works together. Like I I understand the fundamental concepts of how that thing is actually creating work and force. And I would imagine like with physiology, it's the exact same. If you understand how blood and oxygen is pumping through the body, then you can remember the definitions of certain body parts much easier. Right. And then you could like when they are sick with something, then because you know how it works, you can figure out what they're going to present with in terms of signs and symptoms and then what medications you would need to give them to get rid of those signs and symptoms because you know what the medications act on. So Mm. a lot of like I said, a lot of students in nursing school, a lot of my friends, they would just focus on like, oh, like I'm just going to remember the signs and symptoms. I'm like, don't do it that way. I'm telling you because that's not how you're going to see it on the test. Yeah. Oh, it makes a ton of sense, actually. I think there's a lot of analogies that you could draw between auto mechanics and and physiology. Yeah. Because, I mean, once you understand the fundamentals of the system, why it works, what exactly it does, then it's so much easier to diagnose problems because Mm -hmm. you're starting from that foundation and you're seeing what exactly this particular situation has deviated from the norm instead of just trying to remember that, you know, uh, irregular heartbeat means this textbook definition or something yeah that makes a lot of sense so definitely a good study tip there yeah cool do you have any other like really uh recent ones that you've given that you think are really important 
Um, mine are like really simple. Oh, I have like a really unique study strategy, which probably isn't that unique. But when I was in, in uh, nursing school, I didn't really read my textbook. I would mm. skim. So I started off by first reading all of the like the titles. So okay. in the subtitles. And then I would ask myself questions about it. So using the, the titles and the subtitles, I would create kind of like a scenario of what I thought the chapter was going to be about. That's an excellent study meant that actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've read, I don't know if Cal talks about it in the book, but on his blog study hacks, he talks about this method called the pseudo skimming method where hmm. you basically are just skimming really quickly through paragraphs, trying to identify the ones that are really information dense where the most important stuff is that relates back to those subtitles and titles you talked about. Mm-hmm. And then you'll slow down and read those very carefully. So it's almost like this variable speed method of reading. Oh, I have to look into that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really useful because when I was in college uh, for the first couple of years, I would always get so gung ho at the beginning of the semester and be like, I'm going to read every single word in this textbook. Yeah, I was the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sit on my couch and it's just, I'm going to know it perfectly because obviously I've ran my eyes over everything right. and it never worked. I would, you know, my motivation would wane after like two weeks and I would just never open the book again. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember anything from it because you don't remember just from running your word, your, your eyes over so many words. It's not how learning works. Right. I guess I was naively assuming that uh, every word my eye went over would just be absorbed somehow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what everyone thinks. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think we imagine our brains as like reams of text, just like a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then after I would do that, I would go back and I would just read the first two sentences of each chapter and the Mm. last two sentences, not each chapter, the first two sentences of that paragraph and then the last two sentences because that's where they have the meat of the information. And so then I would use the titles, the subtitles, and then that information to create a summary. I'd look at the tables um, because we would get, you know, quizzed a lot on like the information in the tables. And I think, you know, you have to understand also how your professors are using the textbook. So that was always something that I asked because we get so many in nursing school. So I would ask them, okay, which one is the primary one that you want me to read from? Cause I don't have time to read mm. all your recommended readings or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And that's an extra, yeah, that's an excellent tip. Just triaging your reading assignments. Cause mm. a lot of them, maybe you'll find them on a test. Maybe there'll yeah. be a quiz on them, but like, realistically what percentage of your grade do they represent yeah that like in nursing school too we for clinicals we had a lot of assignments and they were never graded they were just handed back for recommendations so Hmm. everyone else had spent hours and hours and hours on their uh care plans that's what that's what they were called and i do mine the morning of or the night before because it wasn't going to get graded so why was i going to spend my time on that assignment when i could spend the time studying for the test which i was going to get graded on and i do that a lot is I take a look at the percentage of how much things are worth. And based on that, I prioritize what gets my time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could you could easily make like a getting things done style decision matrix based on the information you get from the syllabus on those yeah. percentages. Like this is what's urgent. This is what's important. Mm. You can kind of assign each thing a grade, which I think is really important to do when you're in a time crunch. Yeah. Because like realistically or ideally, you know, in a perfect world, you would love to learn everything there is to learn in the class. Right. But you just can't, you know? That's true. There's Netflix to watch and exactly. there's video games to play. <laughs> there's life to live. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I'm one of those people that I wish I could just like learn everything. Like I wish I could split a copy of myself off that would just go read books all day long and then like come back and merge with me. So I'd know all that stuff, but you can't do it, you know? Unless you're like in the matrix or something that, yeah, if we are in the matrix, you know, I will try to figure out how to do that. But <laughs> so far I have figured out the trick. <laughs> well, cool. So this has been a really cool conversation and uh, I think you have a lot of really great study tips, which are going to help people out. And I honestly, I love the, the, um, the insights that you had from those exams that don't have wrong answers. Mm. Cause I don't think I had a whole lot of examples like that. Most of mine were just like typical multiple choice a lot of them are wrong answers or it was fill in the blank, you know, technical stuff. And I didn't have to learn the, you know, the least correct answer kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, th- those those exams were tough. But if you get it down and you practice and they're not as bad as they seem, but a lot of students have trouble with them. You just have to learn the skill. Yeah. So if people want to follow you or see the rest of the material that you've created, where should they go? So they can go to girlbudgetlife.com and if you want some checklists on like some of the strategies that I use then you can go to girlbudgetlife.com slash cram sheets and I've created a checklist for how to create a study schedule how to uh, create a to-do list that works a reading strategy and then I also give my strategy for tackling final exams that are cumulative cool awesome and then you've got a YouTube channel as well yeah so that is so it's youtube.com slash clarissa198 cool and i'll have all this stuff in the show notes as well so if you head over there you can click links to find all this good stuff all right well thanks so much for being on the show thank you for having me again it was fun all right guys thanks so much for listening to this episode hopefully you learned something new and if you want to find the show notes with the links that she just talked about or other things you can also find those at cigpodcast.com episode 68 and uh, you'll find all that good stuff right there you can also find links to all the resources i recommend for making your college life easier or more efficient you know apps uh, productivity tools books that i recommend that kind of stuff gear that's all over at collegeofbogeek.com slash resources so definitely check that out if you want and also uh, this episode is pretty well timed with what's coming out on the youtube channel a couple weeks ago i put up a video on how to stay organized which went through my entire file organization method how i organize my notes and my projects and school files and then last week I put up a video on exam preparation techniques so if you're looking for more tips around what this episode was based on you'll find them on the YouTube channel that's always over at collegeinfogeek.com slash videos or they're up on the blog as well so thanks for listening stay cute and I'll see you next week thanks for listening to the college info geek podcast grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.